0: morning church you guys ever see finger sandwiches yeah they're, they're very cute <laughs> that, that's why I'm up here instead of making money as a comic so Paul tells Timothy to pursue righteousness godliness faith love endurance didn't get him and gentleness, and to distance himself from evil, to strenuously cultivate Christian values. Build your relationship with God for this life and the next, for everything in this life is temporary. Wealth and worldly possessions are left behind as we return home to find riches far exceeding what we have here So, fight the good fight of faith. Be arrogant. Be not arrogant. Do good deeds. Have faith and live a life dedicated to God and reap the rewards in eternity. It's the simplest, hard thing we'll ever have to do.
1: Jesus the name above every other name Jesus the only one who could ever save Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you We live for you Holy there is no one like you Open up my eyes in wonder and show me Who you are and fill me with your heart And lead me in your love to those around me I will build my life upon your love It is a firm foundation i will put my trust in you alone and i will not be shaken i will build my life upon your love it is a firm foundation And i will put my trust in you alone and i will not be shaken holy there is no one like you there is none beside you open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me Your love to those around me Worthy of every song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we We could ever ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you.
0: Amen. So, uh,
1: our father everlasting the all-creating one god God almighty Almighty. Through through your holy spirit conceiving christ the son jesus our savior i believe in god our father Our judge and our defender Suffered and crucified Forgiveness is in you Descended into darkness You rose in glorious life Forever seated high I believe in God our Father I believe in life eternal, I believe in the virgin birth, I believe in the saints communion, and in your holy church, I believe in the resurrection, when Jesus comes again, for I believe in the name of Jesus. In In the the name name of of Jesus. Jesus.
0: The Lamb of God, the Good Shepherd, two natures, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He who is of the Father was sent to earth to teach us the way and to open up the gates of heaven. He came to this earth as a sacrificial lamb and now leads us to the Father. He could have stayed in heaven glorified, holy, showing his love for his flock, though he came to earth to be reviled, hated, and crucified for bringing forth the good standards of living. He is worthy of everything, worthy of our worship, love, and singing. So make a joyful noise with us.
1: Thank you for the cross, Lord Thank you for the price you paid Bearing all my sin and shame In love you came and gave amazing grace Thank you for this love, Lord
2: Thank you for, for the, the
1: nail pierced hands. Wash me in your cleansing flow. Now, all I, I know, your forgiveness and embrace. Worthy is the love, love. throne, crown you now with many crowns, you reign victorious, high and lifted up, Jesus, Son of God. The darling of heaven crucified Worthy is the Lamb
2: Worthy
1: is the Lamb Thank you for the cross, Lord Thank you for the price you paid Bearing all my sin and shame In love you came And gave amazing grace Thank you for this love, Lord
2: Thank you for the
1: nail-pierced hands Wash me in your cleansing cleansing flow Now all I know Your your forgiveness and embrace Worthy is the Lamb Seated on the throne Crown you now with many crowns. crowns Reign victorious High and lifted up Jesus, Son of God The darling of heaven crucified Is the is lamb lamb. Worthy is love. Worthy.
0: Amen. Won't you please be seated. All right. Won't you read with me, ladies and gentlemen? The responsive reading, Matthew 27:50 50 through 54. And when Jesus cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, then the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of their tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion, who, those who were with him, who were guarding Jesus, saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. So, catapatasma uh, was what you called the curtain in Greek, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yep. I know, I looked it up. So the veil was torn. This curtain was 60 feet high and 30 feet wide. It was an elaborately woven fabric of 72 twisted plates of 24 threads each. It was heavy duty. It ripped in half like a paper. I have read that tearing, the tearing of the veil was not just an act of God's anger, But it's simple that the separation of the holy place and the holy of holies was over. The end of separation between God and people was over. Okay, people rose from their graves and appeared to people after Jesus was resurrected to give testimony of the power of God for their presence alone was testimony. Now this is from the uh, the, uh, New International Version application commentary. Some brad this, brand this incident as legend or at best only theological narrative, uh, the, theolo- theology set forth as history. However, there is little within any of the events surrounding Jesus' crucifixion, the darkness at the crucifixion, fiction, the temple curtain being torn from top to bottom, an earthquake that opens tunes and the resurrection of Old Testament saints that makes sense on a normal historical level. These are all unique events that uniformly testify to God's unique acts in human history. Jesus' vicarious death on the cross and his vindicated resurrection from death. These are extraordinary supernatural t- supernatural testimonies that occur that confirm that Jesus is who he had claimed to be and that his ministry stands vindicated before the nation. Now the... Uh, the, the centurion, is the, a response of fear. Others suggest that the soldier's statement in the acknowledgement of guilt and defeat in the face of the divine, uh, they are greatly terrified, and expression implies dread. These soldiers are the same ones that brutalized and executed Jesus. They are wicked characters right through the passion narrative. The terror and subsequent cry of defeat on the part of the evil soldiers prefigures the attitude of the wicked on the day of reckoning as they learn of the horrible fate that's in store for them. However, the positive way in which this confession is reported leaves Matthew's readers to understand that the centurion's men are not simply terrified, but are recognizing that Jesus is indeed the Son of God.
2: Just to uh, reflect on that a little bit, if you, if you look at the passage carefully, it says that the moment Jesus yielded his life, uh, the, the curtain in the temple was torn top to bottom. By the way, that uh, Chip gave a good dimension to the curtain. The thickness was about the thickness of a man's hand, okay? So that was miraculous. At the same time, there was an earthquake. Now, earthquakes are significant in the East because a lot of times God uh, allowed an earthquake to mark an event. You see that through the Bible. And in this case, the event was the opening up of the graves, if you will, the tombs of the Old Testament saints. The thing to note here is, is simply this. That happened on Friday, they didn't go into Jerusalem until Sunday. They were hanging around a graveyard for a while that was no longer their home. And so on Sunday, can you picture, I mean these are are relatives of the people in the village and here they come marching back into the village. I bet you CNN would never cover that. Nor Fox. But isn't it a shame that sometimes out of fear, someone comes to the realization of who Christ is, rather than out of love, the love he has for them, to die for them. And so we'll look at a little bit more of that today. I'm going to ask those who were helping with the uh, offering. Uh, would, uh, would you come up, please? and um, we'll wait upon you for tithes and offerings. Before we wait on you for that, uh, we'll pray for Tommy uh, for good recovery. Uh, You have my permission to harass him at home and uh, ask how he's doing and tell him to be a good patient. How's that, okay? Yeah, don't step on his toes, whatever you do. You know, not an easy task when you have grandkids running around, by the way. Um, so we're we're gonna pray for Tommy. You know, I haven't done this in a while. Parking lot, can you hear? Okay, good. So I know it's working. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for getting Tommy through the surgery. We thank you, Father, for uh, the doctors, the nurses, uh, all who were involved. And we pray, Father, that as he recovers, it would be a good recovery there would be no remnants of infection left, that you would strengthen his legs. And more than that, Father, keep him strong spiritually. Pray for Lorraine as uh, she ministers to him during his time. We pray, uh, Father, for strength for her and uh, just peace, knowing that this is all in your hands. And, Father, we use uh, this time to worship and giving. We give because we, we want to. We give because we love you. And we give because we love the church. So, Father, with that, I ask that you bless the gift and the giver. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you remember the proclamation the centurion shouted? Surely this is the son of God. Now listen, uh, in our world, we have many theories about many things. And unfortunately, when our world gets something that fits their, their agenda, they take these theories and they forget that they're just theories and not fact. But they make them fact because of their agenda. Did you follow that? Yes? No? You awake? Okay. So I want to go over some theories that make absolutely no biblical sense at all. All right? Are we ready? Here we go. The Big Bang Theory. There's been a show that ran on television for for 12 years, called the Big Bang Theory, all centered on physicists and scientists who who were trying to prove when when the universe began, it's a theory, but the Bible says that all God had to do was speak, and it came into existence. Let me share another one with you, the theory of evolution which is being taught most times as fact in school. And, And the theory of evolution says that you came from a primordial soup, basically a pond filled with proteins that somehow got together and started to form life, which eventually, Went into the life of a toad, the life of a frog, the life—you know—however they want to fashion it. The problem is with the evolutionary theory; um, it's still a theory. It's not a fact. But in all recorded history, which is about six thousand years now, there's never been an ape that evolved into a man. Or a woman. Now some might say I look like one, but that's never, that's never, we've never witnessed that nobody has. Well of course then the, the inventors of the theory come back and say, well no, we've discovered evolution happens in spurts. Well we've never seen a spurt either. So it, I mean it, it, it all is nonsense, but again we go back to Genesis where it says that God spoke and created the world, the universe, all the things in the sea. He created the sea, all all the animals on land, and eventually the crown of of creation. Believe it or not, is us, man, mankind, person kind. That's the term I'm supposed to use to, uh, these days. Person kind. Well, the Bible says mankind, which means all people, and so you know we can we can look at this and listen. I was an agnostic all through uh, all through college, um, and an agnostic is somebody who who says there might be a God, but He's really not interested in us. You know, He kind of, He kind of uh, wound up the universe and is just letting it fly on its own. Uh, and then, you know, I, I've told you this before, my senior year, uh, I took some, some fun courses, for me they were fun. Anatomy, uh, where we had to dissect, look at systems, physiology, where we see how the systems work, genetics. Uh, and I came to the realization that this didn't happen by accident. This had to happen by a designer, and yet, The world would have you to believe that you came from a frog. The woke theory. The woke theory is just a theory. And pardon my brashness. It was made by elite people who have no idea what they're talking about. Who have no idea of real history who have no idea about the human condition, but now they treat it as law, not a theory. And it's infiltrated the universities, it's infiltrated the schools, it's infiltrated the, the uh, media, it's infiltrated the military, it's infiltrating politics, it is all False. Do you realize that there are still some people who believe the Earth is flat? I don't make this up. I, it, it, it sounds incredible to me because we have pictures from space and all and you, you can plainly see the Earth is round. Um, if you do the mathematics and you look on the horizon, you can actually see the curve on the horizon. But there are some people who believe the earth is flat. Well, it's not. God created it round. And there are people who say the Bible is, an, uh, is not an adequate, I'm sorry, the Bible is an antiquated document written solely by men. Well, that's not true. It was written by people, but it was inspired through the Holy Spirit. This is God's Word. Now nah, it's just another book. No, it's not. Well, I'll put it to you this way. If you don't have a personal relationship with Christ, yeah, then it's just another book. But once you have trusted Christ as your Messiah, as your Lord and Savior, as the Son of God, now it becomes His Word. It is his word who spoke everything into his existence. It is his word that laid out every principle that we need for the human race. It was his word that laid out the plan of salvation when we screwed up. The moment we were born, every one of us was destined for hell. I was. And just because you might be a moral person doesn't mean that you're righteous. You understand what I mean by that? You can be a moral person and not know Jesus at all. But that's not going to get you into heaven. That's not going to grant you forgiveness. You might do a lot of good things, But if you don't have a relationship with the Son of God, a personal relationship with the Son of God, well, your destination and my destination is hell. I really think the church has to have a reawakening of what God saved us from, first of all ourselves, second of all, from eternal punishment that you and I deserve. That's fact. That's not theory. And the other fact in all of this is that it is only through the death and the resurrection, the person and work of Jesus Christ, that we can be forgiven of our sin because he paid it for us. That we can have new life, new purpose, and not only that, that we can enter eternal life. That is fact. Scientists could say all they want. People can say all they want. It doesn't make the Bible any less true. You know, I, I often use this, and please don't try this, but if you were up on the roof of this building and you decided gravity is just fake, not real, and, and you decided that that's the truth, and you took a step off the roof, guess what's gonna happen? You're gonna have a rude awakening and find out gravity's true, right? I mean, just because we believe something that the world gives us doesn't make it right. I can't emphasize this more. We're going to see in this passage how easily people are deceived. And how Jesus tries to, again, two months after the healing of the man that was blind from birth, again goes to the Pharisees or I should say the Pharisees, find him in the temple and tries to clearly explain to them who he is. But you know they only trust in their own righteousness. It's a, it's a dynamic here, it's scary. Let's, let's look at this together, we'll, we'll go through this. Then came the feast of dedication at Jerusalem now let me explain that this feast has become what is known as hanukkah all right do you know what hanukkah is yeah. right hanukkah is the feast of lights and uh what happened was and we find this in the book of maccabees which is not an inspired book in the bible although catholic bibles have that uh in there but we can get history out of it and it's cooperated by other historians And in that book, Judas Maccabeus, who was the author, says that uh, the Roman government, when they took over the temple, they were using the temple as a place of prostitution. They were using the temple as a place of commerce. They were using the temple for all sinful means. And finally, the temple was reclaimed by the Jews and rededicated. And that is the dedication at Jerusalem of the temple which was celebrated with light. Eight candles to be exact. And, and the historical background on this was when they decided to celebrate it with light they only had oil enough for one candle for one day. That was it. They didn't know how they, because uh, you know, the feast was eight days. Listen, the Jews know how to celebrate. You know, weddings were seven days. I don't know if you realize that or not. The The celebration was seven days. But they only had oil from a woman for one day. And then as history records, seems like God miraculously provided the oil for the rest of the days. Hence the Festival of Dedication at Jerusalem. So it was winter; it was a little chilly out, and Jesus, who was in the temple uh, courts, walking in Solomon's col- uh, colonnade. Now, you know, it, this had porticos and all. I don't know if you've ever seen pictures of the temple, uh, but he was walking kind of inside. I'm sure, stay a little bit warm. But he was he he was teaching. Um, Uh, on this day and it says the Jews who were there gathered around them saying, listen to this question, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah tell us plainly. (laughs) You know I have to be honest with you, you know Mary Lou puts a lot of effort into uh, printing bulletins every week. And my only hope is that you read them, you know? know, I'll get calls constantly about something that's in the bulletin. Well, it's been in the bulletin. We've been announcing it. How much more plainly can we say something? And I can imagine Jesus' frustration at this point because he's been plainly at this point telling the religious leaders, the people, that he is the Messiah. And that was validated by the healing of the man who was blind from birth, all the other miracles from God. And the way you tell if a miracle is from God is if it does good. And not only that, it was validated by the Father himself on two occasions, the voice from heaven. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. So there's no fiction here. But can can you imagine this, Jesus? Listen, just tell us. I've been telling you. In fact, that's what he says. Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe. And here's why. Because you're not one of my sheep. Remember last week we did the Good Shepherd? And when the shepherd calls his sheep, the sheep hear his voice. And they only respond to him. Now, again, I talked a little bit about God's election and man's free will. And in this, you know, the, the simplest way I can put it is that when we hear the invitation of the great shepherd, Jesus Christ, we will respond to it. And then when we do, we find out that God had called us long before we were born. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Not because we were good people. Not because of anything special we are. Out of his love, out of his compassion, he called us. You did not believe because you're not my sheep. Well, you know, theologically I could understand that, but you realize we really don't know, only God knows who he has called to draw to Christ. That is why you and I are called to go and make disciples of all nations. Teaching them all that Jesus taught them. Wow. Well, I still don't get it. Here, look at this. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Listen, I give them, Jesus says. Give them eternal life. They didn't earn it. Out of grace, he gave it to them. Why? Simply because they responded to his call in Christ alone is eternal life in the son of God is eternal life in the Messiah now we got to talk about belief here the sheep put their lives literally into the hands of the shepherd isn't that right shepherd has to protect them he feeds them why because the shepherd loves them it's not a job to him it's a calling the shepherd loves them and Jesus says, when they recognize my voice, I know the Father's given them to me, but to recognize my voice, in grace, through faith, I give them eternal life. Wow. They didn't deserve it. We don't deserve it. They shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Now, if you were raised or came to faith in a Baptist church especially, um, the Baptists are very strong on the doctrine of eternal security, and they should be. Um, I believe that this verse, with many other verses, by the way, teach that once we are truly saved, when I say truly saved, once we have given our lives to Christ, Heart, mind, and soul. That's what belief is. It's not just intellectual. It's heart, mind, and soul. We are saved once for all. And no one, no one can undo that. Isn't that great? People can break into your house and steal, right? You can be persecuted for your faith. People can mock you. People can unfriend you, but no matter what anyone does, no one can snatch them out of Jesus' hands. Remember Allstate, the commercials, right? You're in good hands with Allstate. There could be no better hands than the hands of Jesus Christ and nobody can take you. It's amazing when you think about it. What a beautiful picture here, right? And they're still arguing with him. It says, my father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. Here Jesus is plainly saying, the father and I are one. We are God. We are God. God the Father, God the Son, and it's God the Holy Spirit. Three in one. We sang about that in the Creed, right? Three in one. We're in good hands. And you don't have to pay a premium. Jesus paid it for you on the cross. Let's go on to see how Jesus. <laughs> I love this, right? Here's the response. Again, his Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I want you to listen to this. Je- Jesus, absolute genius, of course, right? He says, I have shown you many good works f- from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? In other words, Evaluate what I've done for the glory of the Father. And you tell me which of these you're going to stone me for. Was it the healing of the blind man on the Sabbath? Was it letting a woman touch my garment? A woman who has had a medical issue for years? Was it associating with fishermen, these unrighteous, unholy fishermen? Was it embracing a crooked Jewish tax collector and watching he and his family come to know Christ? They had no answer for this, because there was no answer. He says, we are not stoning you for any good work, they reply. When you hear stuff like this, this is now getting into a mob mentality where they're saying, we don't care what good you did. Doesn't matter. But now they're making up charges for blasphemy because you are what? A mere man. Claimed to be God. And Jesus gave them proofs over and over again. That he was God, fully God, and yet fully man. Hmm. Well, Jesus answered them. He says, "Is it not written in the law?" Now follow me on this, okay? Because the language here can can be confusing, but I'll unconfuse it. All right. Uh, it is not written in the law. I have said, "You are God's small g." And this is quoting from from a psalm, by the way. Uh, If he call them gods to whom the word of God came and scripture cannot be set aside. And he goes on to say, what about the one whom the father set apart, Jesus, as his very own and sent him into the world? Why then do you accuse me of blasphemy? Because... I said, I am God's son. In this portion of scripture where you see gods with small g, many times the Bible would refer to rulers as gods with a small g, not big g. And the reason why they did that was they acknowledged, as Paul does in, in Romans, that every authority, civil authority, ruler, is put in place by God and then you would say well Lord how, how could that be I mean look at the corruption all around us listen when the Lord sets somebody in a place of authority he expects them to carry out that office with integrity and principle what they do with it they're accountable for yet he permits them you get where I'm going with this That's why we have to pray for our leaders. But God with a small g. And he's saying, look, if we give that title to rulers, how can you object to me saying, I am God's son? Wow. They had no answer again. They had no answer goes on to say do not believe in me he says this right this is Jesus talking do not believe in me unless I do the works of my father but if I do them even though you do not believe me believe the works that you may know and understand that the father is in me and I am in the father Jesus is talking about this incredible communion this incredible unity I in the father the father in me I glorify the Father, the Father glorifies me. And the basis for this, and the Holy Spirit is in here also, but the basis for this is perfect love. That's the basis for it. Perfect love. He says, look, step back, objectively look at this. But they had their minds made up already. Again, they tried to seize him, but he escaped their grasp. And then it goes on to say, then Jesus went back across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptized, the John the Baptist that is, uh, had been baptizing in the earlier days, there he stayed. Many people came to him. This, now this was a different atmosphere in right? Listen, the people that Jesus attracted, there were two types of people. Those who knew that there was something different about him based in the love he has for them. And those who were trying to kill him, those are the two who were attracted. They said, though John never performed the sign, All that John the Baptist said about this man was true. What did John say? Very simple message, by the way. Repent, for the kingdom of God is here. And then when Jesus came came to him in the Jordan, he called everybody's attention as Jesus was coming and he said these words, Behold the Lamb of God takes away the sins of the world and in that place many believed in Jesus listen I'm going to give you I could probably give you more but I'm going to give you three true facts these are true this is not theory these are true Jesus is the Son of God, that is true. The scripture is our final authority in matters of faith, salvation, and daily living. That is true. For a believer, that is true. And third, biblical belief and trust is much more than intellectual. It is an embracing, a communion with Jesus himself, giving your whole self by faith to Christ to live for his glory in everything we do. And so Paul says it this way, whether in word or deed, glorify God. whether in word or deed. Listen, you know, I I do care what people believe about God, obviously. Because there's a lot of misbelief out there. At the beginning of the service, many people believe that if they're just good people, they'll go to heaven. Well, that's not right. That's theologically wrong. Because the fact of the matter is, no matter how good we are, Isaiah says, our best deeds are like filthy rags before him. That's why we need a savior. There's nothing we can do to save ourselves. God's penalty for sin is death. Jesus paid that for us on the cross. And what made his sacrifice pleasing to God, because it was his own son, sinless, fully God, fully man, being our substitute on the cross. If you want to know how to live and what to do in circumstances, it's all here. Has anybody mastered this? If you have, I'd like to meet you. All right. And, and, and really, Jesus made it simple for us. When they tried to trap him, one of the many times, Pharisees said, Jesus, that all the commandments, which, which are the most important? I'm sure they were thinking the Ten Commandments uh, at that point. And Jesus says, I'll sum it up in two. Love the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. We can't do that without God's help. In order to have God's help, we need to put our faith in Christ and the Holy Spirit then indwells us and helps us to make progress towards that end. You see, biblical belief and trust is much more than just intellectual knowledge. It is believing and obeying. You can't separate faith from obedience. You can't say, I believe in God, and then go out and rob a store, and still say, I believe in God. Well, if you believed in God, you would obey him. Isn't that true? And one of his commandments is what? Don't steal. You can't say you believe in God and burn down buildings. You can't say you believe in God, look how good I am. Paul says, we all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's nothing about me that I could bring to God, nothing. When I came to the cross, I had to realize I was morally bankrupt and that I was destined for hell. But Jesus loved me, and died for me. And when I embraced him, everything changed. How about you? My prayer is we don't forget that. You know, next week, uh, before we come to the Lord's table today, we're gonna look at the death of Nazareth, uh, Lazarus. And um, that's a long chapter. It's probably going to be broken up into three parts. But we can learn a lot from the death of Lazarus, a lot from Mary and Martha. Uh, the reason why I like this is because you have two sisters with two <coughs> excuse me, with two opposite personalities. That doesn't happen to you, right? right? You have two sisters with two opposite personalities. And yet, Jesus loves them both. Not only that, he loved Lazarus also. I can't picture this man, the brother, in the same house with two women, right? His sisters. I hope they have more than one bathroom. But Jesus loved the whole family. And we're going to see, did it actually happen? Of course it happened. But we're going to see what application that has for us today well that's in two weeks I lied next week we're going to do our praise service and uh, it's going to be a good service I I invite you to come for that as we go to the Lord's table I think it's appropriate in light of the message today that I reiterate some of uh, Paul's instructions to the church of Corinth the church of Corinth was in bad shape the Church of Corinth was arguing about which pastor was the best. They were arguing about um, uh, the rich people versus the poor people. The rich people were ignoring the needs of the poor people. The poor people were, were angry with the, the rich people. And there was friction. There was disunity. Some people were coming to church To celebrate the the Lord's table. Drunk. You believe that? Drunk. Arguing. Some were coming just to eat. No other reason. You don't believe me, look at the passage in Corinthians 11. They were just coming to eat. And Paul says this, look. You have homes to eat and drink in. When you come to church, you come to worship God. When you come to the Lord's table, you have to come in a worthy manner, which means to examine yourself and let the spirit of God and the word of God expose any sin that needs to be confessed. Well, in in the Corinthian situation, it was, we have to stop this this disunity. We're saying, I like Pastor so-and-so, and and I like Pastor so-and-so, and and I... No, 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 no. We're we're all in this together, you see. You got to repent of that. That's divisive. Well, I come because I don't have enough food at home. Now, that's not the reason why to come. You come because you worship God, and you worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I come drunk. (laughs) Is the service that bad? No, you got to be sober. In fact, Paul in many passages says, "Don't be drunk with wine, but be sober in the Holy Spirit." In other words, be controlled by the Holy Spirit. If you're not, if you if you're under the influence of alcohol, you're losing control. You're opening up yourselves for a lot of problems. There's a lot for which the Corinthian church, before they took the Lord's Supper, had to confess and repent of, so do we. So do we. So I'm gonna ask um, uh, whoever's helping me serve this, uh, if you would come up and as we get ready, um, the bread is gonna be passed out, hold it, we'll partake together. And as we partake, uh, as, as we wait to partake, please, Let this time be a time where we can examine our own hearts and confess and repent of those things that dishonor God. Will we do that, please? I have to confess to you, this was one of the weeks where everything I, I did technologically, my computer and some other devices, didn't work. At one point, I was very tempted to throw the computer against the wall. Well, that would have been wrong, and that's anger. And I really needed to come before God and confess it. I had a professor, my Greek professor in seminary when I got my masters, brilliant man. He was not only a Greek professor, he was a MD in, in um, biomedical sciences. And he was in charge of getting the seminary accredited and he was going through that process. And remember the old computers? Uh, uh, you had a backup with floppies, right, remember that? Well, we were prehistoric, right? And um, he was in the process of doing that, and there was a power failure. He lost everything. He wore very thick glasses. He took his glasses, he slammed it down on the desk in anger. It's a true story, and uh, cracked the lenses. So, following that, he came to Greek class, and his glasses are all cracked and. His name was Dr. Mignard, just great man. And, and we said, Dr. Minier, you know, what happened? And he says, I, I lost my temper. I, you know, I had everything lined up for accreditation. I had a power failure and I was lost. I got, you know, got angry. So the next week, we asked him to come to lunch with us. And we, we took a, 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 an offering for the students and we came up with four or $500 for new glasses. And uh, we gave it to you know we we gave it to him, and and he teared up, and he said, "Fellas, money's not the issue." He says, "My my glasses will remain cracked until I'm convinced that I gave my temper over to God." It served as a reminder. I thought that was tremendous. And a humble man. Sometimes we need reminders of our own sin, right? This is the time to come clean. When Paul, I'm sorry, when Jesus took the bread and broke it and gave it to his disciples, he says, this is a symbol of his body, Jesus' body, which would be broken on the cross out of love for you and me. He says, would you eat this and remember? Would you eat As we pass out the cup, I ask that will hold it and we'll partake together. Our God is so good. He sent his son to die for us on the cross and make a new covenant with us through his blood. See, covenants had to be sealed with the blood of a, an appropriate sacrifice. That's how God works. Well, there was no, perf- no more perfect sacrifice than Jesus himself. So when he gave up his spirit and sin was atoned for once and for all, by his blood, he wants us to remember that, that we did nothing to earn his forgiveness. It was his blood that won it for us. So Jesus said, when you drink this cup, do this in remembrance of him, would you drink I realized I ran late today. Sorry about that, but I thought it was necessary. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna close with a great song. It's old now. How old? Nineteen ninety-three. I don't think it's old, but is there anybody here not born yet besides uh yeah? yeah Chip? You weren't born yet. All right, in that case, you gotta come up and play it. So, ladies, would you come? If you can't stand, please sing loudly.
1: My Jesus, my my Savior, Savior. Lord, There there is none like you. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your mighty love. My comfort, my shelter, Power of refuge and strength Let every breath, all that I am Never cease to worship you Shout to the Lord, all the earth let us sing Power and majesty praise to the King Mountains bow down and the seas will roar At the sound of your name I sing for joy at the work of your hands Forever I'll love you, forever I'll stand Nothing compares to the promise I have Savior. Lord, there is none like you. All of my days I want to praise the wonders of your mighty love. My comfort, my shelter, tower of refuge and strength. Breath. All that I am never, never cease, cease to worship you. Shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing. Power and majesty, and praise to the King. Mountains bow down and the seas will roar at the sound. Your name, I sing for joy at the work of Your hands. Forever I'll love You, forever I'll stand. Nothing compares to the promise I have in You. Shout to the Lord sing power and majesty praise to the king mountains bow down and the seas will roar at the sound of your name I sing for joy at the work of your hands forever I'll love you forever. Nothing compares to the, the promise,
0: promise I have in you Nothing
1: compares to the promise I, promise I have in Nothing compares, compares to the promise I have
2: Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time together. It's a beautiful day out. Help us to enjoy it. Help us to bless others. May we leave knowing that when we put our trust in you as our Lord and Savior, the Son of God, that we are secure in your love. And, Father, we thank you. And all God's people said? Amen. God bless. That was good. Have a great day.